You're listening to the It's Her Time podcast with Cody and Jess. Welcome back to the It's Her Time podcast. My name is Cody Sanders. I'm a holistic health practitioner and functional nutritionist. For those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, we love having episodes on the It's Her Time podcast where we talk all about the things you girls want to know, how we can help improve our happiness and our health, and especially to improve our hormone health as well. Today, I'm really excited because I get to introduce you to Marissa Nelson, who is a licensed marriage and family uh, therapist, as well as a certified sex therapist, and she's a sexuality coach. She has helped hundreds of couples navigate life together and figuring out how to connect better. And today I invited her because I wanted to talk more about the importance and the power of pleasure. Now, when we think of pleasure, a lot of times we think about sex. And of course, pleasure has to do a lot with sex. That needs to be a big part in that part of our life. But it's also important to focus and prioritize pleasure in our everyday life. So this is going to be a really fun episode. I think you girls are going to get a lot out of it. I think this is one that you might also want to share with your significant other. And I'm excited for you girls to get to know Marissa. She's amazing and she just has a really fun personality. So, but before we get into this fun conversation, let's join Jess for a Mixers Girl Say. On today's Mixers Girl Say, we're actually going to talk about consistency. Over here at Mixers, I'm sure you frequently hear us say consistency is key because we live in a world where we want immediate results. We want to have our health changed overnight. But when you're truly healing your body, when you're working with your body for long-term health, it requires consistency and some good habit, some good health, healthy habits. Thank you. Yeah. I was like stuttering yeah, over my own words. <laughs> yeah, some good healthy habits. And I think sometimes it can be really hard for mm-hmm. people to find consistency in their health. And so we just wanted to share a couple ideas and things that we do. Um, and we'd love to hear in the comments yeah. about some things that you do. I, I know for me, if I'm setting a health goal, I used to set goals that were similar to for this year, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Or for the next six months until summer, yeah, I'm going to do this. And would really set these goals that were such a long time frame that really quickly, I felt like I wasn't accomplishing anything because it was just so far out. And I felt like it wasn't super motivating when you're like 365 days of checks and you only have three. And so well, if I'm I'm a very like check it off if I do something. I like that too. We're both yeah. the same way. Yeah. So Sounds I've fine. learned for me a trick that I use is setting goals or forming health habits that I can measure in shorter amounts of time. Maybe it's a month, maybe it's two weeks, maybe it's even a week. The next week I'm going to do this every day. And then I find that once I can succeed in a smaller amount of time. Mm-hmm. it's easier for me to get excited about the success I've had and want more. Excited about the success I've had and want more. And then it becomes a habit that I'm actually really not even having to think about. What yeah. about you? I love, and I love hearing about what Jess's and how, what Jess's process is because um, I know we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. We just did an episode back in December all about how to set um, goals and create healthy habits that matter to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the things that Jess is talking about is a 
secret to success. I think it's something that is so important and I couldn't agree more. A lot of the things that you have figured out, I feel like has been what I've figured out in my life. And then as I've worked with other people and helping them to figure out what works for them, um, it's all very similar. Now there's not a one size fits all approach. Obviously things you have to figure out what works best for you. You need to figure out why you're doing things. Um, why do you want these healthy habits, first mm-hmm. of all? Um, and when you have that why behind it and you get very clear on that, that becomes like a really amazing motivator. But I do agree that sometimes it's important for us to have a big goal, but then to reverse engineer it and to make it into more like easy to follow through steps. And so um, even if it is something that's a year goal, it's okay. You want to bring it back to what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Like literally, if you can, what does it look like on a piece of paper? I'm very visual. I like to see um, what my day is going to look like. So I, I, I love the idea of like, I want to do this every day for a week. I literally will take it. What does my day look like? Mm-hmm. So I'll think of three action steps every single day that will kind of be, have a domino effect, will help me to achieve the things that I want to uh, achieve for that week or achieve mm-hmm. for that month. Um, and I will schedule them into my day. Right. So that they're like non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. And so I will, you know, almost like a school schedule. I will like, you know, at 10, 15, I will, you know, yeah. have this to drink or I will, you know, make pre, I will prep my lunch or I will, mm-hmm. whatever it is. I mean, I've got lots of things that um, are action steps that have led me to achieving different health goals um, that have now stuck. Now they're just kind of intrinsic. They're just part of my life. I don't even have to think about it. I don't have to set goals about it. And that's mm-hmm. the thing too. You got to understand like once you've, kind of gotten to that point, then those aren't the goals that you're going to need to set anymore because you've already figured it out. That's already become a natural part of who you are. You've established a habit. So that's awesome. But it's important to have these healthy habits in our life because what we do on a regular basis is what our lives end up, you know, feeling like and, and being like. So it makes a big difference. I think it's so fun that you mentioned how you actually schedule out in a day. I just, it reminded me of a time that I was really trying to, um, learn something. I, I, it was something that I was really wanting to learn about, but I, I had to really challenge myself to have the desire to learn about it every day. Sure. And so I actually set reminders in my phone every day. They'd go off on a certain time. And I knew like, if you don't do it right now, it's going to be hard for you to create the desire to do this. So if you, this reminder is your like message to stop and do it right now, get it done, complete it, and then you're done for the day. Because I think sometimes if we leave certain things and goals or habits till the night, mm-hmm. it's like, then we're like, never mind. We're out of energy. We're out of energy. Yeah. I'm done. Bedtime. Yeah. We're um, early to sleep, ladies. Too. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I guess that's how, that's personal for everybody too. Mm-hmm. But I know for me, if I put it off, um, most likely I'm not going to be able to follow through with anything. Yep. So I tend to put these things that are like habits I'm wanting to establish. Mm-hmm. I put them first yep. in, the, in the morning. So, yeah. Well, let's get into the episode. Mixers is a company made for women by women. Each of our products have been carefully and lovingly crafted to support you in all stages of your life, providing you with the optimal health you deserve. Each ingredient we handpick is 100% all natural, backed by science and chosen specifically to better your life physically, mentally, and hormonally. Each product empowers your body to take charge of its monthly hormonal shift and flows, empowering you to live life to the fullest. Let mixers take care of your needs from sunup to sundown, and you take care of the rest. Check us out at mixers.com, M-I-X-H-E-R-S. 
Marissa, this is so exciting. I can't wait to have this conversation with you. I've been looking forward to it. When I saw it on our schedule, I was like, oh, this is going to be good because I know the ladies that are listening today, we all can improve in area of intimacy in our life, right? This is an area that um, is ever changing and ever growing throughout our you know whole lifespan. And I just can't wait to talk to an expert like you and have you share with us all of the wisdom that you, you know, impart on your, the clients that you work with. And, um, so yeah, say hi to our audience and, um, tell us a little bit more about you. <laughs> Sending you all the good vibes for 2023 and, you know, excited to, you know, help you on your journey into pleasure for this new year. I think so often as women or those that identify with, you know, as, you know, as female or however you gender identify, I think pleasure as a human experience is something that we are striving for and sometimes hard for us to reach depending on where we're at. I mean, gosh, I can, I can't count the many times that sleep has trumped pleasure. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) <laughs> you know, you know, taking care of yourself can some you might be able to put you might sometimes put yourself last. But I think today it's really about sharing the power of connection, the power of pleasure in our own lives. And I think about reclaiming pleasure as a pathway to joy and freedom and self-discovery. And I think that that's something that I do with my clients all the time. Um, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm an asex certified sex therapist and sexuality educator. And whether I work with clients in my office or on a really nice retreat in the Bahamas or in the Caribbean, you know, everybody's going through the same thing. And I think it's important to help you reclaim pleasure and help you redefine what that means for you. Yeah. I think it's such an individual um, experience too. And so I love everything that you just shared. And this is going to be fun because obviously we talk a lot in this this podcast about the self-care and how important it is to take into account whether we're getting good restorative sleep and whether we're doing all we can to help balance hormones because obviously hormone health can have a huge impact on whether we um, are even in the mindset of enjoying, you know, and having pleasurable experiences with a partner and whatnot. And so, so all of this, you know, is important and a part of it, but I also think that many people, and I don't know why that is. Um, I think that a lot of times we, we don't prioritize pleasure. We, we think of it as something that should just like be a happy, you know, um, bonus, you know, to whatever it is that we're focusing in, in our lives. But I actually think I would like to argue that it's something that should be a huge priority. And if we can make pleasure a priority every single day, um, and it doesn't always have to be sexual pleasure, but these kinds of, you know, pleasure in and of itself is absolutely a healing tool. It's a way for our body and our mind, you know, to be able to have a sense of safety and have a sense of, you know, um, just it's a great stress reliever. So yeah. So explain to me what you love to teach first, you know, when people are coming to you and talking about all of this. Underneath pleasure is about receiving. And in order to step into pleasure, the erotic, I think you have to first be open and to give yourself permission to even allow yourself to step into that space. Mm. Mindset, it's a it's a vibe, whatever you want to call it. I just think that it is. How do you give yourself permission to even be in that space? And many times, you know, my, the clients that I see are very much used to giving, 
and responding to other people's desires, responding to other people's wishes, responding to their partner's needs. But when you sit in yourself and you ask them the questions about what do you need, people say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I never thought about that. I have no idea. That we're just kind of reacting unconsciously in some ways. And when pleasure, when we have these moments of pleasure, it's like, oh, that was great. And then sometimes we may diminish it or we may push it away or we may feel guilty about it. Mm-hmm. And so part of Im- the practice of embracing pleasure and joy, I think that it is increasing your tolerance for, for it. it, is sitting in that space and allowing yourself to feel deserving mm-hmm. of pleasure. Sometimes an example of this is we feel so free to accept pleasure and joy from children. You know, I have a six-year-old and, you know, I I see lots of parents who are like, oh, good, 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 I love you. You're so cute. You're so sweet. And so they'll take all the love, all the affection, all the pleasure from witnessing their child and allowing that into their space. But when their partner's like, you're so beautiful. I love you. You're amazing. Come here. You're like, I I don't know about all that. You know, like you could have, you have a partner, you can have friends, people, you know, you look beautiful today. People are like lavishing you with praise. You're like, oh, really? You know, not really. You know, I gained a couple of, so we even diminish our own reception of the things that feel good to us. And why is that? Why do we allow ourselves to do that in this space, but not in a lot of others? I think that's a inquiry. So you think it's about, it's just our ability to receive. So it's something that we really should be working on and be conscious of about where we're at, you know, in that space. Are we, do we allow ourselves, you know, to feel worthy to receive, you know, good things? And why is it if, if we don't feel like that, why? Like, what are some of our stumbling blocks? Well, the stumbling blocks, a lot of things, history, values, culture, cultural upbringing and beliefs religious, uh, you know, religious shame and um, constraints. I'm just thinking that we've collected messages and stories in our history that have gotten us to a point where unconsciously we've made a lot of, we've made a lot of uh, connections that maybe we associate pleasure with pain or pleasure in loss. Maybe we associate pleasure with being taken advantage of in some instances. Maybe uh, we associate pleasure with abandonment. Yeah, you know, it's vulnerable, right? It's a very vulnerable space to be in when you are the receiver. So, and I know that that's hard for so many of us to to allow that vulnerability to like just be, you know, to be in that receiving end and like, and maybe possibly receiving something that feels like rejection or maybe something that feels like um, misunderstanding or, you know, things like that. So yeah, I can see how this all can play into that. Yeah. And so if you grew up feeling, you know, not valued or feeling like, you know, I have to achieve in order to get attention or affection or love or for people to be important to someone that would, what's going to happen when it comes to pleasure, mm-hmm. then I'm going to be working to make sure that my partner's okay. I'm going to be working to make sure that all of these pieces align and everybody's feels okay and everybody's happy. And I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to perform and I'm going to do the best that I can to, to, you know, to show up when in fact, even my pleasure has come from working hard for mm-hmm. it. 
Yeah, like just controlling it kind of, right? Yes, as opposed to just allowing it just because you are deserving, just because you are human, just because you are amazing and wonderful and worthy of all of it. Um, what is it? What is our relationship with receiving? Do we feel like it always has to be an exchange? Like I can't feel comfortable receiving unless I give. And then what happens when you're in a relationship or even if you're dating and somebody wants to give back to you, I can see some of my clients feeling really uncomfortable with the thought of a partner just wanting to give to them. Mm-hmm. And they feel guilty receiving or they feel uncomfortable or they kind of like tense up. And so again, I, I, I'm saying all of this to say there's many different factors that contribute to our feelings of unworthiness or our our own association with pleasure. But I think for anybody out there listening, when you really kind of go into yourself and think about pleasure, what have been some of your most amazing experiences and kind of what does pleasure, what is pleasure on the knife's edge for you? Mm-hmm. Is it loss? Is it abandonment? Is it, you know, control or lack thereof? And so I think these are the questions that will really, you know, I don't know, get us to that place where we can really see it for ourselves. Yeah. And hopefully as, you know, we're all having this conversation and those of you that are listening, maybe some thoughts are coming to your mind and and these questions, maybe you're answering for yourself. Um, I would encourage you to kind of explore this because, you know, we're each, we're so unique. There's not going to be one thing that Marissa can share with us today that's going to fit for every person's situation because we all have different histories. We all have different experiences. Um, and so, but asking these types of questions, just knowing that in and of itself, that that's valuable for you. And then seeking out somebody like Marissa who can help you to maybe um, know what to do with those questions and how to you know go down that road into healing maybe some of those past wounds or things that are affecting your ability to actually feel worthy to accept pleasure in your life because that's what we want. In this episode, we're really hoping that we can help you to, first of all, understand that you deserve pleasure. You, It's a, something that all people as human beings um, should be enjoying in their life. But then we also want to then take it from there and, and teach you more about like how, how, what can that look like during all different stages of life? Um, because it changes. And I think things, you know, well, it's not going to be just like you figure it out what works for you and then you just stick to that, right? You got to be adapting. You got to adapt to it, you know, as um, you go through different life stages. And right, am I correct in saying that, Marissa? Oh, absolutely. And I think that sexual resilience is going to be is, is a lifelong skill. Mm-hmm. It's going to be something that has to be nurtured. It has to be tended to with intention because, like you said, our bodies are changing our wants, our desires, the things that we find erotic, all of these things are changing, whether a a new mom or, you know, just recovered from cancer treatment, you know, or going through fertility or now as, as empty nesters, like we are ever evolving. And so the way that we do intimacy and receive pleasure and give pleasure, we have to adapt. We have to be flexible too. And we have to be able to have resilience and not blame and shame ourselves because it's not the way it used to be, or, you know, feeling like you're paddling upstream or feeling that sense of, for some clients, it's betrayal that they feel like their body has betrayed them, that it's not 
working the way that they wanted to, they're not feeling the way that they want to in their body. That quite literally for some, um, for some people, pleasure or even it feels uncomfortable, you know, whether, you know, it's pelvic pain or different issues uh, with regards to sexual functioning that get in the way of pleasure. It's one of the reasons why we have to expand our definition of pleasure and sexuality. And so, like you said, um, be committed to the process of self-discovery and that it's going to unfold. But if you're ready for it and if you're interested in doing it maybe a little differently, you can actually in some ways be better than you can ever expect. Yeah. And even just knowing that, that it's supposed to change, that it's not supposed to, you know, nothing's necessarily broken if things have changed and maybe what worked for us in the past isn't necessarily working the same way for us now, that that's okay. That that doesn't mean that we're broken. That just means that we are able and have an opportunity to adapt. And I think that's amazing. I think that's really hopeful. That's wonderful. I, I think that we should have hope around intimacy and we should have hope around our sex lives. And I think what I, what I'm working to, to bring to the forefront is that everyone does not have to tuck away their sex lives because it's not what they want it to be. And we don't have to kind of put it to the side and not attend to it and not attend to our own pleasure or even block our own satisfaction Mm -hmm. because we're afraid to have the conversations Mm -hmm. with our partners or we're afraid to kind of go into that territory for ourselves. Yeah. it's that yep. vulnerability again, right? I think that's why sometimes we've we've had this discussion before, but I would love to dive into it with you. It's just that how important these conversations are with that communication is so key with our partners to be able to help um, for our own pleasure, but also for our partner's pleasure. It's important for us to have that communication, but yet for some reason, it's so hard. You know, here, usually you're having these um these relations with people that should be very, you know, like they know you better than anybody. They love you. Right. And so it's like, it should feel like the most safe space ever to have a conversation um, around intimacy. But yet for some reason, these conversations just aren't happening. And then, you know, time goes on and, and there's all of this miscommunication and misunderstandings and it causes a lot of issues. And then you're right. I liked how you, you know, put it like you, they just kind of put aside, you know, the, their sex life. They kind of put it on the back burner. It's not something that they, you know, think is a a part of their lives um, in the same way as it used to be anyways. So, so yeah. Yeah. I think that when we talk about vulnerability, I would like to also say that vulnerability is uncomfortable and it, it is emotionally risky and you are talking about things that make you feel uncomfortable, things that may bring up trauma, things that are very triggering sometimes. It's triggering to feel like maybe I might not be satisfying my partner, or maybe I might not be tending to my partner's needs, or maybe I'm not happy anymore. Um, coming to these realizations and these truths are uncomfortable, do rock the boat sometimes. But I would venture to say that even though it's uncomfortable, I think it is also the place that we grow the most and we have the most agency to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Even though you may not talk about it, the resentment can still build. Even if you don't address it, the disconnection can get you know, more profound. And so even if you don't address it, the effects of it are still very present. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
how couples or how anybody can start the conversation. I think that people are afraid of what will happen. They're afraid of hurting their partner's feelings. Oh, it's something that I see every single day in my office that they're afraid to talk to their partners about these things because they have so much love and so much affection. They do life really well together. But these are the things I don't like, or these are the things that annoy me, or this is where I'm at. I'm just not feeling intimate right now. I don't feel desire for whatever reason. For, for the various different reasons that affect um, intimacy and arousal and desire. And it's important for you, even though you're afraid, to still be able to lean in. I think one of the things that helped me or in, that I share with my clients is about what would it mean to rewrite your sexual storyline? I think a lot of times when couples have been together, I know most of the couples in my practice or most of the people in my practice have been together at least 14 years, Mm -hmm. 20 years, 25 years, 40 years. And when you've been with someone for a length of time, get used to them and you get a rhythm of like how you do intimacy, how you do sex, your perception of them, your perception of, you know, the way in which they desire you and what their wants and needs are. And so when we have these perceptions, many times we're locked in that And so it makes us fearful of really being able to challenge sometimes the status quo in your relationship because both of you have gotten very comfortable. And even even if it's not the healthiest of dynamics at times, or even if it's not functioning in the way that you would like it to, there's still some comfort around it. You're still used to it. And so how might you be able to rewrite that storyline for yourself as well as for your partner? Because I feel like when we start doing that, we open ourselves up to a lot more possibilities instead of just kind of the reality that we see in front of us. It's like saying that the sky is the, you know, as as tall as what's the ceiling in your car, when you know if you step outside of your car, it's much bigger than that. I want to look at intimacy in the way that we see our partner and the way that we see desire in the same way that just because it's been that way for a while doesn't mean that you don't have the agency to talk about it. And might it be uncomfortable? Yes. It really might be, but it might be the thing that is connecting both of you on a much deeper level if you do it with, of course, compassion and empathy and really being a safe haven for one another where you're not going after your partner, but you're really inviting your partner and like, this is what is intimate and erotic to me. And this is how I've changed. And this is how I perceive you've changed. Or maybe you can share with me how you've changed and what your needs are now so that we can give intention and love and you know, energy back into this part of our relationship that I really miss. Yeah. I love that. I love that because yes, vulnerability in and of itself, the definition is to be uncomfortable, (laughs) right? So yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable. We're not going to get around that. But I do think that it can make a big difference because it allows us to open up so many possibilities. And if we can have that mindset around it, instead of having the shame around it and thinking that, um, oh, if we had talk about this, that means that we're saying it's been all wrong all along. And instead, it can be more about this has gone great, but what if we even, you know, started talking or trying some of these things or, you know, we opened up this window or, you know, you know stepped outside of the car. I love that. And see what's possible. And I I do agree with you that the approach is really where the gold is in this. Um, it's it's coming about it with your partner um, in a loving and open way rather than a judgmental and shaming way. I think that that 
allows people to feel, you know, more safe. That feels like a more safe um, conversation. And I think that you'll get farther. You'll get, you know, you'll be able to, you'll be able to get ahead a lot quicker if you can approach it in that way, instead of saying all the things that aren't working for you, but instead talking about the possibilities and maybe asking if that would be something that your partner would be open with you, you know, on too. And as well, I think part of also what stops people from having the conversation is that they're afraid of their partner's reaction. Mm -hmm. If you're in a partnered relationship, or even if you're dating someone, being fearful that they are going to, of their partner's reaction or their, you know, the, the, that they might, it might, you know, trigger some communication dynamics or that it might trigger a fight or that it might trigger disconnection. And so when you do have a partner that might be sensitive to this, that might be triggered by this, I I want you to keep in mind that you can still hold space for them and still acknowledge like, yeah, this is, this is hard, but I want to, I want to do this because I care about you. And I care about this part of our relationship. I want to know the things that you desire. Mm -hmm. I want to know what this means for you. I want you to feel like this is important to me and to both of us. And this is part of the process of getting there because I want to understand you and I want to be there for you. And I think that if you are focused to holding space for your partner's experience and, you know, not judgment, but space is just, I'm here. I'm not poking at it. I'm not judging it. I'm just witness to it. I think that's a part of communication because many times we're like, but I don't do that. And I don't, you know, because it's natural, it's natural. We're human because we don't want to be told that we're doing something wrong or we don't mean it. You know, like we, we're just trying to step into territory. If we're just trying to do intimacy the way that we know how to do it, nobody's trying to hurt anybody's feelings, you know, objectively, but by just being a witness to your partner's feelings, reactions, emotions, and taking yourself out and just stepping back and just being like, I got it. I'm here. I want to learn. I want to learn. Yeah, I want to be here. But by doing this for me, this is a a shared and collective experience. I need the same in return. Mm -hmm. And so in that, not only are you working on your intimacy, your emotional intimacy, you're also kind of laddering up to that physical intimacy as well. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And so girls, all of us that are listening to this, that's going to be our goal is we're going to try to be better at being a witness you know, to the conversation and being open to the um, what our partners have to, sh- to share with us um, and just to take it as a, an opportunity, like we were talking about before, but let's say, Marissa, let's say this, that then, you know, we are trying to have this conversation and it doesn't go as well as like, we're putting it out there. Like, yeah, just have this conversation. It's going to go great. Let's say the partner, you know, has a negative reaction to even bringing up this type of a conversation. Um, how do you suggest that we go about like getting past that obstacle in and of itself? That seems like a huge hurdle. Yeah. Um, well, Repair is number one because unintentionally, if we said something to hurt our partner's feelings, then repair is important. But along the way, if you are doing it with compassion and something comes up, then you are all you also have agency to know that what you said in your perspective and that it's coming from a place of love and affection, and that sometimes it's going to be hard for your partner to hear your truth your, you know, how you feel, what you want to be changed in your relationship or in your sexual life. 
And you just have to hold space for that. And I also don't want it to, it to discourage you from trying again. You're not going to get it right all the time. Maybe you are in the relationship where you can bring this up to a partner and you can, you know, you can have a wonderful tea and a chat and it's the most beautiful conversation ever. And then you can go and have wonderful intimacy together. Or maybe you are working through communication in your relationship and you tried one time and, oh my gosh, like maybe this, you know, conversation didn't go as planned. Try again. We did not learn how to ride a bike the first time. Okay. Yeah. So I don't want, because it didn't go the best way um, or didn't go the way that you expected to discourage you from continuing to have the conversation. You are trying to create pathways to better closeness and deeper intimacy. Perhaps there's other ways in which you can start the conversation. Find a podcast that really, like this one, that yeah. you love, you know, and share it and listen to it together on a car ride. Maybe it's an article that you see, that you can send to your partner. Maybe it is the therapy appointment. So you say, you know what? Maybe the two of us can't do this on our own right now, but let's learn the tools to be able to do that. So do not stop. Be as determined as you are outside of the bedroom. Please let us be this determined inside of the bedroom, inside of our relationships to really kind of connect on a deeper level in a meaningful way because you deserve to have not just an okay sex life. You deserve to have not just intimacy, like you deserve to have good, amazing, transformative, connected intimacy. Oh yeah, absolutely. It is, it should be a huge priority. And I think that that's so important. I know, you know, my husband and I have been married for 31 years and, um, and it's, Luckily, you know, it has been a priority for both of us. Um, and we have definitely not to get too personal, obviously, um, out of respect for my husband, but we have had to adapt. We have had to have these conversations. And I will be honest in saying that sometimes when these conversations happen, it does feel uncomfortable sometimes. And there is defensiveness that can take place. And um, I think it's really great that there are some tools out there, though, that can help to make this a little easier. So things like I mean, it's very non-threatening to listen to a podcast episode. I think that's a great, great suggestion. Um, but I think how amazing it is that we have experts out there that like you, that can go through that are, this is what you do. This is what you know. You are the guide, you know, to help help take us down the path in a way that is um, safe and effective, you know, as far as like having these conversations with our, our partners and helping us to improve this area of life together. So yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. And I mean, there are lots of things that you can do together to be on your way. Yes. Yes. To podcasts. Yes. To reading books together. Yes. To having even just positive new experiences together. Mm. You know, the, one of the research studies I just that I just read is like when couples travel, it it really supports their relationship because you get to go and be out of your everyday environment and like the routine of life to just go and have like intentional time together, giving back to you, really being able to have hopefully connecting experiences together. Um, and also, I think about how do you create that sense of get away an oasis in your everyday life because maybe some of us take that vacation once a year or maybe not even because we right. just went 
pandemic, you know? So like for a lot of you that can't get away, who have young kids in the house, you know, um, and vacations are a family affair, like how do you create the specialness in your relationship? I think one of the things that is really important for us all to realize, I had to realize this in my own relationship too. I remember after the birth of our, our daughter, um, oh, sex was off the menu, like completely. It was like, we, we're we not going there, okay? Like breastfeeding okay. in a robe, you know, like, oh my gosh, like I, I didn't even eat. I've been like surviving on Starbucks. There's just no way, no way. Right, right. right. But then, you know, part of the discomfort, you know, I, I don't subscribe or ask for anybody else to do something that I haven't walked through myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having to have that conversation and be, you know, with my, with my husband to be like, I, I do care about you. And the reason why you're asking for intimacy right now is to know that we're not just parents. Yeah. And so I also challenge you to think about why your partner is even asking for intimacy, that you may just be thinking it's about the sex. Right. It's not always about the sex. It's about, am I, a, does your partner feel like a priority in your life? If you're, if you're super busy and you're like super, you know, parent of the year and you're doing all of the things, like sometimes a partner wants to know, where do I fit into all of that? Do you light up when you see me? And that's what I see in my office and working with every day. So sometimes it's not just about the sex. How are you creating specialness of your relationship? Yeah, it's so key. It is so key. And I feel like that's what it's, you have to continually work on that. You have to, it's hard. It's easy to get busy. We're, we're busy women. We're out there doing all the things and, you know, and, and serving and everything else and all of our energies seems to be going outside. But I think because a lot of times our, our spouses or our partners are, they're there to support that sometimes we forget to like turn around and say, you know, like, let them know, like, thank you for supporting me, but not just supporting me. Thank you for being in my life. Thank you for being my life, you know, and, and giving them that, that, love and attention and connection, I just think is something that is easy to forget to do. Um, and then a lot of times we do that, we, we let that go for too long and then it's really hard to repair. But if you can remember to make this a priority in your life every single day, um, you'll benefit. It's, it's a good marriage is, is such an amazing, um, part of my life. You know, it's something I'm so grateful for, but it's not easy. It's just something that takes a lot of work, but I'm just so grateful, you know, to have the relationship that I have with my, my husband. And I know it's just because both of us have made each other a huge priority and, you know, and I think that's what it takes. Absolutely. And if you feel like your husband or your partner or whoever you're with is not lighting up for you, that should be an indicator not to just like continue to like go on to the next day and let one day turn into another week that turns into another month that turns into another year. You, y'all have to talk about it and you have to, you know, be able to, to understand like, what is part, what are the aspects of our life that we're really prioritizing? That's taking that spark away from us. And if you're not feeling that with your partner, I want you to feel like you have the space and the agency to say something because you deserve somebody to light up for you too. Yeah. You know what? In, like everybody wants to feel like important, like a priority. And it's the specialness 
like that specialness that I matter, I am important. I not just as a, whatever the roles that you occupy, but just for me, just for me. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's so beautiful. It can be so beautiful. And I think that's part of it too. I think that unfortunately, I don't know where this message comes from, but it's just out there that people think that this kind of the spark that you're talking about, this special spark that sometimes it's supposed to over time diminish. But um, I don't think that's the case. And I look for examples around me all the time of people that have these very long-term relationships that have that spark. I admire them and I witness them and I try to learn from them so that I can continue that, you know, in my life because that's something that I I dream of, you know, I imagine my husband and I growing old together or older together and um and just still just having the hots for each other and still just like lighting up like you're saying and you know, I I think that that's possible. Yeah, and I think that just being able there's lots of ways that that happens, you know, when you experience your partner doing something that they love. Mm-hmm. When you experience them in a different role, when you're really proud of them, when you admire them. It is like you experience them from you, but you're also experiencing them from a distance, you know? And I do think that that brings about desire when you're doing shared activities together, when you're building something together, you know, when you're doing something meaningful together, when you're going through maybe a hard experience together, you know, some couples going through tragedy, some couples going through loss. I've had a couple of couples lose their homes in fires, mm-hmm. you know, have gone through unspeakable, you know, things in their lives. And sometimes that was what was brought them together in a period where they felt very disconnected. Now we don't want to wait till life beats you up in order for you to be connected, but you know, things like infertility or whatever the ride of life is going to take you, this, these tips do not just serve you in the intimate space. It serves you because we're kind of wired for hard things and we're going to have to find ways to talk about it and not go through it alone. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have to go through it alone. So I don't know if you have like some specific tips or what are, what would be your best advice, you know, for, for our listeners today to like, I mean, we've talked so much about how it's important to, you know, have this be a priority, to have pleasure and intimacy and this connection a a priority in our life. Um, But let's say we've not felt happy with where this is all going, you know, in our relationship. So where do we start and where do we end? I mean, where do we end? And I know there's probably never an end, but like how, what does this look like? What should we be trying to implement um, on a daily basis? What's the things that you see works best with the clients that you see every single day? Um, Take a ticket and write grace all over that. Grace on your dashboard, grace in the car, you know, grace on the fridge, because having skills and implementing skills does not mean that it's going to be perfect. It means that you're committed to the journey, you're committed to the ride, you're committed to your partner and to the process of growth. That's why we're here. And so, you know, having, you know, addressing the elephant in the bedroom, if that's where your elephant is, you know, that's where your issues lie talking about it, talking about it with compassion, being brave enough to say, these are the things that I really desire. Being that for yourself, if you don't know what you want and you don't know how to respond to your partner's desire, having the, the within yourself to say, maybe it's time for me to get back to me 
Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time for me to go on this journey into pleasure for myself to know what that means for myself, whether you've had sexual you know trauma in the past or relationships or that have you know um, taken a hit on your self-esteem or the way that you feel about your body, like it's time for you to give back to yourself yeah. so that you can meet your partner halfway. So that you are coming from a very solid sense of self and saying, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. And moving forward, these are the things that I I like, I imagine that I desire. And here are the various different ways we can possibly incorporate that into our relationship, into our intimacy. I would also say, you know, being pleasure seeking, that sometimes we forget to follow our pleasure, that everything is not going to end up in intercourse, neither should it. Every part of yourself is going to evolve throughout this life cycle and intimacy and sex are going to look really different at 20 than it does at 65. And so what are your needs now? Um, And helping your partner along in that journey so that you don't just do intimacy on your own, which is wonderful. And I would suggest, you know, that you do some self-exploration, but like, how do you bring, how do you bring that energy back to the relationship while also knowing what you want for yourself? I would, you know, so pleasure seeking is about knowing that sex is not just about the orgasms and not just about um, you know, intercourse that maybe you should spend a lot of attention on outer course and all the other things. Maybe there's a space for playing with power and dynamics. Maybe there's a lane for, you know, in inviting new and more sensual experiences into your life. Um, there's a whole world out there that is open for exploration. And so if you don't know where to start, get excited. This is the era of exploration, right? Um, I think lastly, intimacy is not a place for you to hustle for your worthiness. It's not the place that you go to for, you know, affirmation to affirm who you are as a woman or however you, you know, what you gender identify as. It is a place that you go to have a shared, meaningful experience. It's a place that you go for connection. It's a place that you go to express that part of joy or love or desire or even play, sometimes naughtiness, sometimes adventure and surprise and all the things, and many times pain too, if that's your pleasure. I I want you to know that that's not a, you don't hustle for it here. Mm -hmm. You, you, you go here full and complete and whole and giving yourself the permission to allow yourself to let go. Yeah, it's, I love that. I love that. I mean, I know it's going to take practice. Practice is going to help us be more perfect with that, right? But just being able to be aware that it's okay to be pleasure seekers and that being open to maybe some like tools and being open to some other ideas, you know, that maybe we haven't explored yet with our partner. Um, I think that it's, it's fun. I think it, it kind of can add a little spice to life. You know, we, Mixers right now, um, is just introducing a, um, you know, we have our product, Her Pleasure, um, which is a, a libido booster for women. It helps to hormonally support us so that we physically can feel like in the mood and and ready to enjoy that um, those kinds of experiences with our partners. But we thought it would be fun this year to also introduce what we're calling a pleasure pack. 
um, just to add a little extra like um, fun, you know, in the bedroom. And, and, but I like the term outer course too, but it's part of that. It's like helping to maybe not make the whole experience about the orgasm. It's about just the experience. It's the connection. It's the play. It's the fun. I think that's one of the things that when we first start a relationship, that's easy for us. It's new, it's fun, and it's exciting and all of that. And then sometimes we do kind of get stuck in a rut. And so having little things, maybe like a pleasure pack, you know, that Mixers is offering or some of the other things that you can suggest, I think is a great way to, if you're feeling like you need a little extra support and oomph, you know, behind this, you know, relationship. And then that's a great way to start, right? Absolutely. And get a journal and journal. It's your pleasure journal, you know, and it's journal that one page one is really about you mapping out your relationship with pleasure. Every neuro association that you have with pleasure, you know, when you think about pleasure, have you been wronged? Has it been a painful place for you? Has it been spiritual? Has it been whatever that means for you? I want this to be your pleasure journal. And I want every day for you to collect moments of reflection of the places where you felt pleasure. Mm -hmm. So if that is, you know, sometimes I talk about collecting joy because sometimes we forget it or we like live in it for a second. And then we're like, oh, that was fun. Okay. I'm out. I love that. (laughs) Collecting joy. Yes. Yeah, so we have to we have to be mindful about acknowledging when we are we feel really good about pleasure and when it's really working for us. And if it is that extra you held on for that extra second when somebody hugged you or you sent out an email that made you feel really good or somebody, you know, like you shared a really meaningful conversation, that is pleasurable. Think about ways in which you've experienced pleasure in your body for that day and the things that feel really good. Could you sit in it for an extra couple of seconds? That's progress. Mm-hmm. And so we think that we're going to like turn the page overnight. This is really just a process of self-discovery. Write it down, have a place that you can go back to where you can process for yourself about the things that get in the way and also the possibilities that you want to create. Because this is a new year, y'all. It's time to create lots of new possibilities, right? Yes, I love it. I think we're all going to go out and buy our pleasure journals. I think this is so fun. (laughs) I think it's a great idea. I've never heard that suggestion. But I do think it's really... I think it's great because it it helps us to learn a little bit more about ourselves. And I think that's a lot of times where we're lacking is we don't even know like what it is that we are. We know we want something, you know, we want more, but we don't even know exactly what that looks like or what that is. And so having this type of a journal is a great way for us to be very, um, just very aware, you know, and, and be able to like tap into that and kind of like almost um, collect, you know, collect ideas, collect the ways that, you know, these things add up in our lives. I think that's so great. Well, good. Well, I have, I loved this episode. I would recommend that, um, yeah, that all of you girls, um, listen to this, you know, share it with your, obviously the girls in your life, but share this also with your partners. See if you, this can help to, um, to, you know, bring about a really helpful, um, and rewarding conversation with your partner. See if this can help to open up some doors, help you to be able to strengthen that bond between you and help you to be able to feel free to bring more pleasure into your life. So I really have loved this conversation, Marissa. You're amazing. 
Me too. And so are you. We had so much fun together. (laughs) We did. We're going to have to have another conversation again soon because you're a great guest and time just flew really fast. But, but anyhow, is there anything that you can share with our, um, our audience about how they can best connect with you? Any other resources that you really feel passionate about sharing? Um, sure. Um, so you can find me on, um, intimacy moons, www.intimacymoons.com. Um, you can follow me at XO Marissa Nelson on Twitter. I mean, on, not on, uh, Instagram. And you can also find me on LinkedIn at Marissa Nelson LMFT. As far as resources, hmm, you know, I have lots on my desk. So, um, come as you are. By Emily Nagoski. This is amazing. It talks about the neuroscience of um, intimacy and of sex and desire for women. Um, a really fantastic read if you want to understand desire and the things that get in the way of desire for women. She also has a follow-up called Burnout, and it comes with a companion uh, workbook. So this is a great suggestion. Um, the second one... Oh, yes. Sex without stress. Yes. Justice Zimmerman. Uh, And this is really fantastic. Really the incorporation of mindfulness, um, uh, awareness, presence when it comes to intimacy, because we don't want intimacy to be stressful. We want it to be fun. We want it to be your place to explore, your place to play, your place for connection. So if you feel like "Mm, it's not that right now, but I'd like to work on that, this is another fantastic suggestion. I love that. I haven't read that one. That's I'm going to have to go buy that book. Yes. Well, good. This is so helpful. And of course, I will link all of this in our show notes too. And I'll link all the ways that you can connect with Marissa. She's amazing. And I I just highly recommend that um, this also becomes something that becomes more just comfortable to do is to reach out to a sex therapist, somebody that's very trained in helping us to be able to navigate through these areas of our life in a very healthy and productive way. So thank you so much. We appreciate you girls tuning in. We love having these conversations every single week. We love having a amazing guests on like Marissa. And we love hearing back about what you thought about um, these episodes, the things that you've learned. We continue these conversations in our Mixers Girls community. Um, And if you're not a member of our Mixers Girl community, you can go to our website, mixers.com. That's M-I-X-H-E-R-S.com. And you'll see at the top this uh, word community. You just click on there and it's an easy way for you to join. It's free. And it's just a, a really safe space for us to be able to continue having these conversations that are so important to help our overall health and our happiness. So we encourage you to continue that. And thank you for all of you that leave us really great rating and reviews that helps us to be able to be discovered by so many other listeners that are also seeking um, this type of information and education. And thank you for subscribing to our YouTube channel. It's growing slowly, but surely, but we're excited because it's fun to be able to, you know, see face-to-face, kind of watch the conversation, see what the guests look like and all of that. So it's so fun. All right. Well, until next week, girls, I hope you have a very happy and healthy week. Thank you so much, Marissa. It was a joy having you on the It's For Time podcast. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.